0: bibliophiles, to five author questions, or 5AQ, presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library, the podcast that attempts to delve into the minds of writers using only five questions. I'm Sandra Farragh, head of youth services.
1: And my name is Kevin King. I'm head of community engagement here at the Kalamazoo Public Library. So, Sandra, let's talk gardening. (laughs) How much have you done so far this year?
0: I don't know how to garden. My grass is dying. I have tree limbs that are going to crash into my house. I, used, I bought a lawnmower for the first time, and I broke it my first time out. Yeah. Because apparently you're not supposed to lawnmower over tree roots. So that's yeah. a new thing I learned.
1: Well, you didn't have a lot of grass uh, in Queens, right? No. Not a lot of grass. No.
0: <laughs> and then wherever I rented, like, people did the grass. People did that for you. People do. People shoveled. People our, did the thing.
1: It's so touching. Our little Sandra's learning. I'm learning. She's learning when she got here to Michigan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> learning all the things. Do you well, have a thriving garden?
1: Uh. It's, you know, we, we don't use any pesticides, so the garden needs lots of attention all the time, pulling the weeds and all that.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I get so many people in my house care about drinking water. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we'll abide by that. So, yeah, so garden, we, I wanted to talk about gardening for a reason because you mm-hmm. get that a little bit later on. But, hey, if you want to follow 5AQ on Instagram, you just go to at 5AuthorQuestions. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at author Five. If you want to email us and tell us about your garden, you email podcasts at kpl.gov. And of course, like, share, and subscribe to 5AQ, or we will send all the garden-eating critters to your home.
0: And if you put your garden pictures that are really nice, (laughs) I may have shame, and then I might treat my garden a little better. Exactly. You should just like, share, and subscribe to that.
1: Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) So today's guest is Margot Robb, and she is the author of the novels Kissing in America and Cures for Heartbreak. Her essays, journalism, book reviews, and short stories have been published in The New York Times, The New York Times Book Review, The Atlantic, Slate, Salon, Marie Claire, The Rumpus, Zoetrope, All Story, Seventeen, Best New American Voices, New Stories from the South, One Story, and Elsewhere, and they have been broadcast on NPR. Oh, is that all? That's all. (laughs) I had to cut some out. I'm just kidding. She received the grand prize in the Zoetrope Short Story Contest, first prize in The Atlantic Fiction contest first prize, in American Fiction Contest, and a Penn Syndicated Fiction Project Award.
0: So a slacker, another slacker. She's
1: another. We have so many slackers. So how many show. slackers? Can't win anything. Uh, Margot grew up in Queens, New York, and has lived in Texas, Arizona, and the Midwest. I like how she named the other states, but the Midwest just got the Midwest.
0: That's fair. The
1: yep. Midwest is great. <laughs> she now lives in Philadelphia area with her husband and children, and currently has um, Amish builders working on the house next door. So. <laughs> To read more about Margot, go to her website at margorop.com. Tell us about her new book, Sandra.
0: I will. Lucy Clark will not apologize. Lucy Clark has had it. After being bullied one too many times at her boarding school, her parents enrolled her in. 16-year-old Lucy, who has been underestimated her entire life, retaliates. I like this already. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but when the fallout is far worse than she meant, she meant it to be, she gets suspended and sent to New York City, where she must serve as a full-time companion to the eccentric Edith Fox. Once in Manhattan, however, Lucy discovers the glamorous, mysterious Edith is nothing like she expected. With Edith, Lucy learns to revel in the freedom of being herself and through Edith's world of hidden gardens and afternoon teas is magical and beguiling, there's one other thing that makes her unlike anyone Lucy has ever met. She thinks someone is trying to kill her. Bum, bum, bum. And Lucy has to find out who it is. Welcome to 5AQ, Margo.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here.
0: We're so happy you're here too. All right. Five author questions, but it's our show, our rules. So Mm -hmm. we may ask some follow-ups and they don't count towards the five because we just make stuff up as we go. Yeah.
2: But question one,
0: (laughs) your soon to be released novel, Lucy Clark Will Not Apologize, was written in the midst of a stressful transition. Can you tell us? how you learn to manage the grief as well incorporated into the book.
2: I I love hearing you talk about gardens because gardens are such a huge part of this new novel and gardens really saved me during what was a really hard time when I just started writing what became Lucy Clark. I had just published my last book kissing in America and it, it came out during a really difficult time. My husband had lost his job or we lived in Austin, Texas and he got a new one in the suburbs of Philadelphia. And so we moved, you know, took our kids and our cats and all our stuff that we have never Marie condoed <laughs> so <it's made> too <laughs> much of it <laughs> and moved. And, you know, I think like we'd moved a lot of times in my life. I have lived all over. And I think growing up in New York City, I I thought that the rest of the country was a lot like New York. I didn't mm-hmm. realize how much it wasn't. So I think I've always been sort of on the lookout for this like magical Ideal town where you could actually afford to live there, and it's beautiful and easy to live, and it's I guess like Stars Hollow and Gilmore Girls, but <laughs> with like a bigger dash of Queens thrown in, like yeah, really right. amazing food and you know diversity. But apparently, after moving around the whole country, like we haven't actually been able to find that. No, nope. maybe it doesn't exist. It doesn't.
0: It doesn't. It's only in so, Queens.
1: Right? <laughs> Magical place called Queens. It
0: is. It is.
2: And um, yes, so when we moved, it was uh, we didn't know anybody and we had made the move from New York City to Austin. And I I really fell in love with Austin. We had like a really, really its a great writing community there. And I had this amazing group of friends and it really broke my heart to leave them. And something I hadn't been prepared for was that it really dug up um, like the biggest loss in my life was I, I lost both my parents when I was fairly young, my mom um, 30 years ago now, and my dad almost 25 years ago. And, you know, it's, it's, the kind of thing where I thought like, I dealt, you know, I've been to therapy. I thought I dealt with it a lot, but the move really, you know, triggered all of that grief, just be, you know, I felt so isolated and alone and just really sad. And, you know, it's the time I think when you go through those transitions where you just want even just a little word from your parents, like that guaranteed love that saying like, everything's going to be okay. And when you haven't had that for decades, it's just really difficult to kind of conjure that for yourself. And I read, I remember I read this article about complicated grief, which is a diagnosis uh, when you, you know, having a difficult time grieving for more than Mm -hmm. six months. And I was thinking at the time it was 25 years since my mom died and I was thinking like, well, what do they call that? (laughs) (laughs) So I, I kept thinking of that. And then I, there was this public garden near our house called Chanticleer garden. And I started going there every single day that it was open. And I keep a diary, so I would would write in my diary there, and I brought, I started writing Lucy Clark there. And that garden really changed me, just being able to be there. It's this really magical place. And and I don't love all public gardens. It's like, I'm very picky. It's like dating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's a garden snob.
2: (laughs)
0: That's fair. I've seen some really good ones.
2: Like you were talking about with lawns and mowing, like I really like gardens that are messy and chaotic. Maybe have a bit of Queens in them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Strange and and have, you know, are not perfect by any means. Like I like a garden that's, you know, like not afraid to be odd Mm -hmm. or, and and Chanticleer is a place that is very strange and artistic and all these mysterious things everywhere. Like there's a sculpture of a girl at the bottom of a pond with no explanation Hmm. and there's fish eating the girl's feet and it's all very, you know, there's a lot of, and there's this, my favorite part of that garden was this place called the ruin. And they basically built a, it's, it's meant to resemble an actual abandoned house, but it has all this death imagery, like um, these, you know, stone faces that are drowning and Hmm. this huge giant black table that looks like a sarcophagus or where Aslan from Narnia was killed. Like, I mean, it just, it's so, Powerful and something about that dark death imagery just made me feel the sense that things would be okay again. And so, as I was writing Lucy Clark, I wanted to capture that. How I, I, I never in my life realized how much a place could really change your emotional state and really, you know, change you as a person. So I tried to incorporate that into the story, and it's um, something I really loved writing about.
1: Such a great story! I loved. Um, you need to go and. Read the piece that Margot wrote for the New York Times on this garden and about the time she spent there. It's just, it's beautiful. And I can't wait to go to Philly and see this garden, I can tell you.
2: I can't wait for you to come. Everyone has to come. I can't wait to take you there. Yeah,
1: that'd be great. (laughs) Question number two If you could pick a theme song for your life, what would you choose and why?
2: This is such a hard question because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to pick, but I think I'm going to go with um, Fade Into You by Mazzy (gasps) Starr. Wow. I think because it's such a a moody and strange and mysterious song and I, I have no idea what it means Mm -hmm, whatsoever, but it's so complicated and it just puts me in that melancholy mood of just not really knowing what I'm feeling, but liking it anyway. That Mm -hmm. sort of like not happy, not sad, somewhere in between thing that I I really love. I feel like as a writer, that's sort of what I go for too. So I've always loved that song.
1: That's a perfect song to hear in this garden, I'm gonna see.
2: I mean, it just they feel like
1: they go together really well. Great choice. Thank you so much well, you have for to, that.
0: One. You have to add it to the Spotify. Yeah,
1: we're playlist. gonna do a Spotify playlist of all the choices of authors. So Oh, I can't wait. This is totally going on the list.
0: <laughs> okay. Question three. What fictional character have you always wanted to meet in real life
2: and why? This is a no brainer for me because I'm obsessed with Anne of Green Gables. Ooh. <laughs> I am um, I you know growing up in Queens it's mm. funny like I loved Anne of Green Gables even though I barely left New York City <laughs> I, <laughs> I you know didn't I couldn't even imagine PEI it's set in Prince Edward Island mm-hmm. um, known as PEI so my best friend and I actually made a road trip there um, about 20 years ago and I had this VW bug and we we drove all the way up there from New York and we had so much fun because it's an entire island dedicated to a <laughs> fictional character yeah it's <laughs> crazy Anne's images on license plates, and they sell raspberry cordial in the gas stations. You know, it's <laughs> it's so amazing. She's such a part of that island, and you know, it's funny looking back on it now. I realize like Anne of Green Gables is so much about being transformed by a natural landscape. You know, here she was, um, an orphan, and you know, had this tragic upbringing, mm-hmm. and then her entire personality and life was transformed by Prince Edward Island and how she felt. A connection there. So now, now, you know, all these years later, I understand why I fell in love with Anne so much. And I also love her whole idea of kindred spirits mm-hmm. that, you know, you so much of life is about meeting those kindred spirits. And I've been thinking how that's something that was so lost during this pandemic year, you know, just the magic, not that it happens very often, but I feel mm-hmm. like maybe, you know, on average, once a year, I meet someone who's like a soul friend mm-hmm. and it's so rare and magical. And I think having lost that in the last year was such a loss like just knowing that you're not going to meet a soul friend and or kindred spirit so i think the idea of having that come back again mm-hmm. is is such an amazing thing
0: wow and i'm great insight that is really great insight <laughs> and for me i had forgotten all about anna green gables and I always hear PEI, and I think of mussels. So <laughs> really, I just want to eat seafood all day. Yeah,
1: that's the second time mussels have come today. See <laughs> seafood. I'm there you go. You. <laughs> I um, which,
2: which they are amazing. There yeah. we um. So my friend Dika, who's the one that I took the road trip with twenty years ago, mm-hmm. her family is um, Canadian, and they rented a house there. So I've been back with them a few times, mm-hmm. and they find they're the most amazing food family on the planet, and they like befriend lobster men so you have fresh lobster and they harvested oh. their own mussels on the beach oh. i quit i quit i'm yeah. moving you're
1: gonna move to pa <laughs> look for the jobs there at the prince edward island library i bet one of the questions is have you read anna green gables
0: but, i don't know maybe do you, where you, where are the muscles
2: give are, me some food.
1: are you a fan of the pbs version or the netflix version that's probably the killer right there <laughs> so
2: And the oysters, Malpec oysters. Ooh, Um, yes. We
0: were talking about oysters earlier Mm -hmm. today. Clearly, I'm having a craving.
2: We all must go now when we're all fully vaccinated. (laughs)
1: Exactly. So speaking of vaccinated, question four (laughs) is, how do you practice self-care, especially during a time like this?
2: Yeah, oh my gosh, God, what a year for Mm self-care. I mean, it's what a challenging year. I feel like, I mean, thinking of that Mazzy Star song again, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just going to take years to even understand what happened this last year emotionally, like Mm -hmm. what the emotional effects will be on all of us. Um, I mean, being, I feel like as a writer, you know, my kids have been in remote school and my husband working from home and I've never in my life, not had time alone. Mm -hmm. So I I became a writer because I treasure and Mm -hmm. need that time alone. Um, so it's just been, I mean, I feel like I'm, it's going to take a long time to make sense of this year. And for me, I, I've kept a diary my entire life since I was nine years old. My first one is like a little Paddington Bear notebook. And that I would like write things about the neighbors like Harriet the Spy. <laughs> <laughs> like like they seem to be watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> really. <Thrilling. laughs>
1: They're watching Anne-Green Cables. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I um I still write almost every day I'm my I'm on my fourth one from the pandemic and I just think this these are gonna be diaries I look back on a lot because, I mean, I feel like emotionally this year has, you know, completely broken me, mm-hmm. but also made me think of life in a new way that I probably am not going to understand for a really long time. Um, but writing in the diary, I feel like for me, it's always been a place, it's separate from writing fiction, although I get ideas for fiction or essays in there and it definitely helps with my published writing. But for me, it's a place where I can be like hundred percent honest, like things mm-hmm. that I would never share with anyone or I don't have to worry about what anyone thinks of me or judging me. And especially for the last year, it's been so virtual where I feel like there's always this, you know, unfortunately that layer of falseness Once something is shared or liked or judged, you know, so the diary for me is someplace where there's nothing shared. There's nothing judged. It's just a place to be completely honest. And so I've been, I bought one of those bubble tents like the, um, restaurants have, and I, I put it in our backyard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
2: So when I go in the in the bubble tent Uh and write in my diary, that's I feel like I'm sort of connecting with myself again and I feel so much better. And now that it's spring again, and I can have flowers Mm -hmm. out there in our, our, I mean, we have a teeny tiny backyard, but Mm -hmm. but coming from New York, it feels big. Um, but just having flowers there and, and I garden too, but I, which is part of, self-care but for me I have like I'm a perfectionist about published writing mm-hmm. but I have no perfectionism about my garden so like mm-hmm. you know it's just a mess of plants and weeds and I don't know what's happening there but <laughs> I, I kind of love that too like I, lo- I love messy gardens yeah. and so I, um, I like an overgrown we don't have much lawn because I've planted so many flowers that there's not much left <laughs> Yeah. But like I always tell my husband, don't bother mowing, and you know See? we have bunnies everywhere, and they like the weeds. That's so what you need
1: to do. I just, did have
2: bunnies; they you had babies, but little should babies.
1: Planted everything everywhere, and you to buy. one more. Yeah,
0: that's it. I'll just I'm gonna just do what she does. I would
1: do what Margot does. It's a great. There's idea. actually
2: a great quote about weeds that a weed is but an unloved flower. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I I I like that. So I don't care about the weeds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> some weeds are really pretty. So yeah, they are. There you go. Um, I know tonight's entry is going to be dear diary. I met the two coolest people in the world <laughs> on a podcast today. I hope they're my kindred spirits.
2: <laughs> you guys are. Let's let's plan our Santa PE PEI road trip. I'm, 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 I'm
1: for it. I'm in.
2: All about. You ha- it. You had me at shellfish, <laughs> 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 mussels and oysters. Oh,
0: my favorite. Oh, oh, sounds so good. <laughs> All right. Man, we're already at question five. Question five. I'm telling you, we need to add more questions.
1: No, we can't change (laughs) the name. We've been branded.
0: (laughs) Please speak about your love of Nobel Prize-winning author Alice Munro's writings, and why do you have such a strong attraction to her work?
2: I, I love Alice Munro's work so much. She's actually the only fan letter I've ever written, beside from one to Sean Cassidy when I was <laughs> 10, was to Alice Munro, and she actually wrote back, and so I I, I treasure that letter. Um, I think, for me, her short stories, like, there's this great quote she said once about how um, it's the complexity in life, like the things within things that seem endless that she is most drawn to writing about. And then I think, and that's what I love about her work is that complexity. And she just goes layer after layer after layer. And I think when I'm writing fiction, um, you know, I, that's what I, my favorite part is always just going in deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it takes me a long time to write novels. This Lucy Clark took me, you know, like six years, and before that, my last one took like eight years, and I think mm-hmm. that's because my first drafts are always very superficial. Mm-hmm. and And I always tell myself, like, oh, this book I'm going to write really fast; it'll <laughs> just be a nice silly book with no depth. And then, but I just can't seem to do it. So, like for me, as a reader and as a writer, I, I just love something that gets into sort of the emotional mysteries and complexity of our emotional states. And I think that's I've been meaning to write like a blog post about the pandemic, and I keep being unable to finish it. Cause I think, I just feel like I can't make sense of what on earth has just happened this past year. <laughs> that probably just has to, there's the blog post, right? Yeah. Like, what on earth has happened? <laughs> the end. The the <laughs> end. <laughs> I think it just, it's so hard to make sense of things and you never really do. And I love reading poetry too. I've been reading a lot of Mary Oliver and I guess that's part of self-care too, is reading the poetry mm-hmm. and poetry for me, I feel like is, you know, it gets into that not having an answer and having more questions than answers and more mysteries. And I, um, I think as a writer, that's, and as a reader, that's just what I love most. Like, I, I think I've learned probably more about life from, from books like that books that are mm-hmm. where the writers are unafraid to go really deep and honestly into all these complexities and, and writing about grief a lot too. I feel like even after, Um, you know, this year is the 30th anniversary of my mom dying. And I feel like I have more questions than answers after 30 years. You know, I thought I would feel one thing 30 years ago. And instead, you know, it's just more mysteries and more sort of different layers or kinds of grief after 30 years. So I think writing about that for me is, is, feels very powerful and and feels healing just to admit that we don't know. And I keep saying that to my kids too. I feel like we've learned anything this year and the pandemic is how messed up grown-ups are. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> the veil's <Yeah>. been lifted. <laughs> We're all a right? hot mess. We're
2: yeah.
0: just a
1: hot mess.
2: <laughs> I feel like do we really want the grown-ups in charge after? Oh, I know. Like I feel like my kids have more empathy for what's happened in this country in mm-hmm. the last year. You know, the whole there's like this relentless cheer, this relentless I mean we think like we've witnessed this mass mass death mm-hmm. event and mass grief but everyone's like, do to do, let's mm-hmm. just, you know, pretend that's not happening. And to witness that on such a wide scale um, is so hard. And then, then this collect this numbness. I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, I guess we have to just, you know, to survive to a certain extent, but I feel like it is, you know, the grief is everywhere now and um, you know, having, we have to face it. Mm-hmm. So
1: we need to, we need to congratulate ourselves every day just for getting through the day. <laughs>
2: Yeah. You getting know. through the minute. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I'm always saying, I think this generation is going to save us. <laughs> so I agree. But
0: I agree. we're not adulty enough.
1: <laughs> I don't well, <laughs> I think you're probably right. So I just worked something out. Mm-hmm. You, she's her two loves to be found out today were um, Anna Green Gables and Alice Monroe, both Canadian.
0: <gasps>
2: oh, you're right. <laughs>
1: Wow. Well, there you go. There you go. And Canadians are all nice, though. So. And Margo so my, is nice. My
2: best friend Deke is Canadian. Oh, and her best friend's <laughs> Canadian.
1: My goodness, do you like hockey? No,
2: I like hockey.
1: Molson beer? I mean.
2: Curling. Curling. Curling.
1: All right, we've come to the end of five, author- well, the five questions, not the whole show yet. But we want to know now, and you just said it, it, it takes a while for you to write a book, but what are you working on now or what's next for, for you?
2: Oh, actually, I'm working on a project now that I'm so excited about. Mm-hmm. So, through that shankler essay that was in the New York Times, I um, met several different gardeners, mm-hmm. and through those connections, I met this amazing gardener who this is this, this is a real life story of that's really similar to the novel The Secret Garden.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and the gardener is named Paul Orpello, and he has discovered he, he works at a a garden in Wilmington um, that's part of Hagley museum, but part of his job, he discovered this lost secret garden that was buried for 50 years. And he uncovered, it was buried in in four feet of weeds and he uncovered it. And the garden came back to bloom during the pandemic. (sighs) And so I've gone down, it's not yet open to the public because it's Mm -hmm. really dangerous. It's all these ruins and it's sinkholes. And it's, Mm -hmm. and so it's not open to the public yet, but I somehow convinced him to let me come down (laughs) a bunch (laughs) of times. And I've, um, just had, every time I visited that garden, I like have broken down in tears. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just such a moving experience. So I've been writing about that now. And so it, I mean, but life is very strange, isn't it? Yeah. Like here, I wrote that essay and then this novel about people being changed by a garden. And then, you know, I met this garden that is just completely like changing me in a whole new way. So, and it's, it's a nonfiction story. So I'm working on that right now. I am um, with my long process. I, I had like 75 pages and I, whittled it down to 30 and mm-hmm. now i'm trying to get it into a nice little like five page essay <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> 75 pages to five
2: exactly
0: So that's okay. what i need i need a magical gardener to find mm-hmm. the beauty that's within what's happening in your
1: in your yard in my yard yes. yeah that's a great exactly. idea <laughs> a magical gardener <laughs> that is so great that's a great story i mean i can't imagine just stumbling upon a secret garden
2: right i used and to it's... wish
0: for those
1: yeah i know
2: it's the most spectacular garden. I mean, I love Chanticleer so much, and I didn't mm-hmm. think I could love a garden even more. And I still love that garden, but this one, I mean, it's so much, it's so fascinating to write about it. I'll, I can't wait to share it with you when oh, I finish. Oh yeah,
1: I know. I can't wait to read it. Oh my gosh, Margot, this has been the most fun.
2: I know. Oh. We, Thank you guys. We pre- I can't wait. I can't wait for our road trip. <laughs> I
1: know. Get planning. I think we're all vaccinated, you said, so we're good to go. Well, I am. Yeah, <laughs> uh, me too. So Okay. All right. So that's been Margot Rob. everybody. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. I can't wait for our, our
1: muscles trip in 2021. At <laughs> least looking, the restaurant. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Five Author Questions presented by the Kalamazoo Public Library. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss a single episode.
0: And finally, we leave you with a quote from Tennessee Williams. Life is an unanswered question, but let's still believe in the dignity and importance of the question.